0: An industry under pressure, innovation in its finest hour. This is the Oil & Gas Technology Podcast, where sharp minds reveal the brilliance and sheer determination turning great ideas into new realities. Hear about how it happens in real life with your
1: host, Michael O'Sullivan.
0: The views of the host are expressly his own and should not be construed as the views of any other corporation, consortium, governing body, or interplanetary federation. And that does get us to our guests today. I'm here with uh, Tom Franklin and Prakash Kasapa. Did I say it right? He gave me the thumbs up. Uh, they are from uh, TCS. And we're going to talk about digital twins in drilling. Digital twins, obviously, hot topic nowadays. Uh, but the, the cool thing is you guys tell me that you have some real stories to tell. So it's always great when we get to hear not only, like, in the abstract what the potential of the technology is, but how it's really being used in the real world. So... Uh, before we get to that, thanks, thanks both you guys for making time. I appreciate you coming oh, down sure. here, to, uh, to here. Thank you, Michael, know, for the opportunity. Yeah, I know, um, I know you're both busy, so we'll do a little bit about who you are. Um, we're gonna start. Prakash is pointing at Tom. So, oh, Tom, okay. So, <laughs> so I, I know, I know, I know you have a, a long history and you've been around the industry a long yeah, time. Yeah, no, no,
1: I'll keep it really, really short. I'm Tom Franklin. I started working in the oil industry back in the '70s. And by the way, I want to correct, it's the 1970s, not the 1870s. Some of my uh, uh, nefarious friends are spreading the rumor that I actually worked with Colonel Drake, but I did not. Okay. So I've okay. been I've been in the business now for almost years. I've seen 50 the photo. Years.
0: That guy in the bottom looks a little like uh, no, you, I want to say. The me.
1: one out that's in front, me. he looks that's a little me. like me. Now, the, the, the photo with me in a Union Army uh, uniform with a <laughs> pterodactyl, that's me. That's you. Okay. You know, but no, I, I've been in the oil business now for almost 50 years. It's really incredible. And uh, I came to work for TCS about 10 years ago. I work as what's called an industry advisor, um, helping our teams... Uh, develop solutions for the oil and gas industry.
0: Yeah, yeah, good. Okay, now you, we, I put it off as long as I could for you. Uh, uh, now, you've been with TCS since you were 12 years old, right?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Not 12 years as, old. As I, I no, I've been at TCS for almost 21 years now. Yeah. And uh, last 10 years in oil and gas industry uh, in Houston. But earlier to that, I was uh, working for TCS customers in banking and uh, healthcare. So I lived for six years in California before yeah. moving to Houston. So oh. Houston is a good place. I think we are settled here now.
0: You got now, and you got here before the rush, right? So yes, before, that is right. Well, well, there were still U-hauls to be had and all of that, where it was easy to actually. Visit. That, that that is right. Yeah. So we, we um. Hmm. So, what, what so what year was it when you came uh, no actually
2: uh, I came here as a client partner managing some EPC customers but right now I'm playing a role of uh, managing the North America energy business for TCS
0: right right but like when was that that you came to Texas
2: I think I came to Texas in uh, 2013
0: okay oh. Well, that was an interesting year to get here. Yes, that's right. <laughs> well, 2013 was all fun and games. 2014 was, and 2015 was another matter. But so I, my family moved to Houston uh, during a previous uh, oil boom, which would have been
2: uh-huh.
0: a long, like it was actually the early 80s. All right. Right. Also, right before uh, a catastrophic time. All right. Mm-hmm. And, um, but back then, uh, when you came to Texas, uh, it, like it wasn't quite as um, th- it was. It was a lot different from how it is now. Now we have people here, especially in Houston, we have people from all over the world, and mm-hmm. like, not only all over the United States, but countries and things like that. But back then, it was a little bit more. Uh, I guess you might say like uh, homogenous. And there was a bumper sticker that was very popular at the time that said, "Welcome to Texas. Now go home." <laughs> and, and so, so, that was what it was. So when I. So it's so it's a lot more. It's it's a, it's a lot uh, a lot more welcoming now. Than, of course, of course, they were always kidding about that. Uh,
2: sort uh, of. You um, spent almost twenty-five years here, right? Yeah. And,
0: yeah okay. uh,
2: no, <laughs> more than that. More than that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. More, <laughs> more than that. More than that.
0: All right. So let's. Uh, Digital twins uh, has been a topic on this show. Uh, a lot obviously because they're popping up all over the place in the industry and it's kind of funny to me because we went from in a fairly short time people going having that look of I don't know what you mean by digital twin we went from that stage to Mm -hmm. people rolling their eyes when you say digital twin right and Mm -hmm. then like you know, it's another buzzword. Or, and I remember a lot hearing a lot of people, even just a couple years ago, people saying, yeah, digital twin, nobody really knows what that is uh, or nobody can agree on. And, and, and we got to where now all of a sudden, not only do we know what they are, we agree on what but they're but they're popping up all over yeah. and they're being used. But um, I thought it'd be good to start with a little bit of just, con- you know, like, like history and context, because there is some difference in terms of the digital twin that we, that we thought of early on that was like... Like the three D visual kind of video mm-hmm. game view of mm-hmm. like a like a topside facility, and you mm-hmm. could, and you could cruise around and look at different parts and pieces. Uh, that's one kind of idea of it, and that like Siemens was doing a lot of work with mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And then there's another idea of data, you know, just fundamentally just a data model that you can use to simulate various scenarios. So when 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 you guys are working with digital twins in drilling, what what which, which which flavor are we are we working with most of the time?
1: Yeah, and the other divide between digital twins in the past has been distru- uh, construction uh, digital twins, which enable you to make sure that you can some assemb- you build a plant or sure, something like that. Right. 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 And then operational digital twins, which actually allow you to operate the plant once it's up and running. And, yeah. and there used to be a big divide between the two, and and now there's not. But when we talk about digital t- twins, we're really it has three main characteristics and then there's four enabling factors about it. The three main characteristics are it's a model of some kind of uh, either facility mm-hmm. or business unit. Uh, right now, the the scope and scale of it, and we can talk about this later, of digital twins is changing and, and increasing. In the earliest days, it was um, digital twins were just of a piece of equipment in a refinery, say. Right. Then they became a digital twin for a unit within a refinery, and now we're reaching up to a digital twin of the entire refinery, and now also a delivery, digital twin of the refinery and the delivery system, and uh, both from uh, inbound crew to outbound products. So the scope keeps, keeps expanding, but the very first thing is it's a model. Yeah. And with a model, there's some level of abstraction. The second thing is that uh, there's real-time data involved. And so, unlike some of the simulations we built in the past that were kind of static, where we would build, say, a model of a plant we wanted to construct, a digital twin today is in touch with the process control system and is getting data from that system on a real-time basis in order to feed it and and, and do do what it does. And then the, the thing, third characteristic is it's self-tuning or learning. And this is probably the, the newest addition to the confluence of technologies that are, are um, accumulating in these digital twin platforms. And you're right, digital the first, first thing I saw that we would call a digital twin today, I saw back in the 90s. And so they've been around a long time. Yeah, even before
0: we really called it digital twin. Yeah, and this
1: uh, we'll talk about an example today of something we've done with our customer that was kind of a digital twin back before they were cool, and now that's what we call it. But this aspect of self-learning, self-tuning, being able to use machine learning to improve the model itself over time is an important breakthrough for digital twins. So those are some of the characteristics of it.
0: Yeah, I I think... um, uh, well, yeah, so uh, if you guys know George Danner over at Business uh-huh. Laboratories, he always says we, we used to call it, you know, now we call it digital twin, we used to call it a model. He's been building models for for decades. But that's an important distinction, which is uh, besides the model, it's it's the connection to the real-time data, and then the, that's now we have this, the ability to use machine learning to improve the model as we go and things like that. So that is... Uh, uh, yeah, that's that's an important uh, distinction.
2: Right. I think initially it was only designed for design twin, right, as Tom was mentioning. I think now operational twin also has become uh, very important for us. Right. All the customers today, they are not just uh, replicating that physical asset into digital twin, right? They are going beyond that. So we have a lot of live examples where we are using some of the TCS uh, IP uh, products, right, to right. manage that. So we can discuss about that in yeah, detail yeah. when we move forward. And we have this like predictive a maintenance as uh, a key, uh, sort of component too, right?
1: Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, to, it yeah. can be. So one of the, one of the things you really look for in a digital twin. So let me give you an example of how one developed over time for us with one of our drilling customers. And this is a long story. It goes. It, I'll it'll tell it in a short fashion, but it goes over a long span of time. Initially, we were conduct, uh, uh, contacted by the customer. They were a drilling company. They'd acquired a number of different uh, drilling rigs. Uh, They were moving from pneumatic and mechanical controls into digital controls, and they needed standardization. And So our first goal was to help them standardize and come up with a standardized drilling control system. So then once we had done that, uh, it came to now can we abstract out of that uh, drilling control system the ability to simulate what a drilling rig would look like. Mm-hmm. So, for example, if we wanted to try a new design, say we wanted to try a new top, uh, top drive uh, design on a, on, a, on a rig, we could do it in this digital environment without building a physical prototype. We'd build a physical prototype after we'd t- tested it digitally. Once we um, had done that for a while, then the question became, can we use it to uh, simulate what's going to happen in a drilling environment? And then, can we use it to train drilling operators? Yeah. And keep in mind, we had a major turnover of the drilling fleet about seven years ago. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you went from these very uh, traditional kind of drill floors, uh, personnel heavy drill floors, to now, today, where you go and there's a control center on the drill, uh, drilling rig itself, whether it's a drilling vessel or on, even on shore. And the people on the, on the ground there are very few. And so we found uh, that we could use these systems to do that and to train that new... You know, when, when the drilling fleet turned over, one of the great questions was, gee, all of a sudden we need a whole new generation of operators. Yeah. yeah. And, the, and the feeling was that where are they going to come from? Well, we were able to create this, and, and our customer was able to train their new drilling operators very quickly. In addition to just training them to, 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 to do operations... They could simulate conditions during their training that they hoped they would never see in the field, sure, and put them in you know real peril sometimes, so that they could understand how to manipulate, and so that if they ever did encounter that, which you hope they don't, they'd at least been exposed to it.
0: Yeah, yeah, it makes me think of like the NASA uh, training simulator, right, where they uh, like training the pilots for the space shuttle, and they, you know, they put them in these situation, they're in the simulator and. Mm -hmm. And you can't fool around, right? Like you have to, it's, you have to, uh, but, but the ability to do that, uh, yeah, very similar. I I hadn't thought of that though, as far as, um, I mean, I haven't heard anybody really talk about connecting. Like, uh, well, so right now we're very focused, I guess, because of the pressures on the industry. We're very focused on how do we use these things to, uh, to, to predict, uh, -hmm. either failures or main, basically economic reasons, right? Like how to optimize the economics uh of the asset. Um, but, Connecting it to training uh, the next uh, the next wave of people because that's also like a huge thing right now that we're that we're worried about yeah. they, this 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 whole crew change problem um, anyway yeah yeah I can also, see you. you're like you no 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 I kept, I kept I kept
2: talking and you're like wait <laughs> no no wait. that is okay <laughs> all good conversations <laughs> no again for the same driller right uh, where uh, Tom mentioned about uh, the digital twin work we do uh, there we have integrated the IT and OT also. The best practices of IT, we brought into that OT as well here. Like, you know, if you look at IT, right, we have that CMDB with all the best practices, what kind of Uh, errors happens and so on. We brought that to this OT environment here. And not only that, now this driller, uh, they moved into this unmanned rigs also. So for that also, our team really helped them in setting up the automated testing on their control rigs.
0: Yeah, so explain, so talk about the IT with the, the the change management practices and all that what because because we don't get into that very much explain that a little bit more
2: Uh, no uh, if you look at uh, the common uh, database right error database will be there for the IT environment Mm -hmm. so in OT we really don't have it so how can we bring that best practices here document everything and then give it to customer yeah so that integration has been done seamlessly for this tiller that has been done by TCS. And
1: and so what you run into is for years and years, for for the whole time I was in the field, um, there were things that were supposedly too important for IT to have that that the operational technology, the engineering groups ran themselves. Today, the level of sophistication, the level of dependency that they have on those control systems is such that they it's not fun anymore for an engineer to do this in part time. Yeah, yeah. It really has to be as bulletproof as the kind of things that you run in a banking system yep. or anything else. Sure. So, yeah,
0: especially with the with all the new, right? All the new security considerations. Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. once we started connecting everything to a net, to a network outside, it used to be all those systems were were sure. air gapped and they were their own, right? And then we started saying, yeah. let's connect them to things and then that created security vulnerabilities.
2: No, absolutely so, yeah. because if you look at this ITOT integrations, right, especially when you get into connecting lot of devices remotely, automatically you are vulnerable to lot of security uh, in this one. So that is where yeah, you know we right. help customers in figuring out what kind of security patches need to be applied, how we can manage that without compromising yeah, yeah. the data, right? I've said that.
0: Yeah. i I've, I've said this before but this is why my refrigerator is not on the internet, my yeah. microwave is not <laughs> is not on the internet. <laughs> I don't, I don't need the <laughs> camera in the refrigerator to tell me what groceries I need to buy. So, yeah.
1: <laughs> that's, a, that's okay, but your electric power system is, so don't yeah, worry. Well, you can true. sleep well <laughs> tonight. <Yeah. laughs> um, that's a, that's no, a, but it's point. not a trivial thing because, uh, you know, when, as we have seen in some of the cyber attacks that have taken place, particularly in the Middle East, you can really get in and damage things by Uh, uh, infecting uh, things at the process control level. And so this bridge between IT and OT was really important. The other thing that's um, uh, uh, also an attribute of digital twins that you won't get unless you achieve this integration is you need to be able to see not only the engineering consequences of decisions you make, but the financial uh, decisions as well. And In a real-time digital twin environment, it's not good enough to just put an estimated number out of SAP every five weeks. You really want to see what you're doing. And without that ITOT integration, you can't yeah, really approach Yeah, That's, that's that.
0: a good point, especially nowadays with the way that everything's
2: fluctuating. Um, um, I have one more thing to say here. Yeah, yeah. See, and the other thing is in this industry, right, especially, everyone is looking at managing that ESG goals. Right. And this digital twin yeah. even it's helping customers to achieve their sustainable goals also because in reducing the carbon footprint. That's yeah, so, a hot topic today. So explain
0: that a little bit because at, at this particular moment in time everybody uh-huh. says that everything helps with the ESG
1: goals, right? Well, so, that is right. so how sure <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. and you know there's broad definitions mm-hmm. of, of how you can do it and and the the thing to keep in mind is we need to do all those things right. to make yep. progress. But in the case of Digital Twins, the first thing that they're helping with on the operational side is if you're an operator and you're operating a brand new modern drill ship, you already have enough problems to solve keeping it online, keeping the drilling schedule, making sure you don't get in a stuck pipe situation. And then to add on to that, you have to look at the uh, affluence that you're dumping back into the ocean. You have to monitor your operation in terms of it's co2 operations. should i dial things back and stuff like that yeah, yeah, yeah the very first thing the digital twin contributes to that is being an ally and keeping track of something else that got added to your scorecard on top of all that other stuff and integrating it yeah yeah i can see that right so so if you run faster you're liable to flush through more mud and how much of that is going to have to turn around and go back in the ocean if you're offshore um, it, you've got an ally to try to keep track of the more things. The the, the second thing it can do is you can then do simulations to see right. if I make a particular adjustment in what I'm doing, what's the impact? Yeah, that was where my head was going as you were saying. It's yeah.
0: like okay, now I can, and now I uh, I, I can make those decisions just just like in everything else. I can make those decisions much more quickly. Yeah, with no, I- the more so you're flushing out some of the risk and the uncertainty, and you're. Uh, and and you can, and you don't have to ha- that, be that poor guy with the 14 different Excel sheets who's desperately trying to
1: like crunch yep. the numbers oh, yeah. to figure out how to yeah. uh, what, what the right decision I was, is. I was right? involved in operations in the Denver clean air basin many years ago, and here we were, we're trying to keep track of how much product we're lifting, what the what the lifting cost was, everything like that. And then here comes this character from the EPA walking around like (laughs) bayoneting the wounded saying, "And oh, by the way, you ran all these unlit flares. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's something else that the um, digital twin can do. It can tell you in an onshore situation, I have an unlit flare before I ever found it because what it can tell you is, gee, that flare isn't behaving normally it's behaving like an unlit flare you should really take a look at it yeah and and that ally in managing those other variables is very important
0: right 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 right. okay so how do i um as you're working with people with clients and uh they say, okay, like I get it. I need, uh-huh. I need one of those. I need ten <laughs> right. of those. I need, I need those things. Hey, oh, you here. just
1: download it from your iPhone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so
0: how, how do you, how do you, how do you go from, well, like where do you start, and how do you begin to incorporate? Uh, obviously, you guys don't, you know, just come in, wave your wand, and everything oh, sure. Up here. I yeah. mean, yeah.
1: we we start from various places. I mean, the, the we're still early enough in the process that it's not a, a by rote. Uh, methodology that you can execute, the very first thing you want to start is you want to start where the customer is. And the first thing you want to look at is your sensor network, how much data you have available, Mm -hmm. uh, what's there that you can build on, what's your internal technical environment that you can build on, what are the missing pieces, and then how can we then combine that. And then the the very next uh, important thing to do is set a starting scope. So you may want to start very small, like I said earlier. You may yeah. want to start with specific types of equipment. Uh, you may want to start with uh, a specific asset uh, and then uh, expand from there. So when you say a specific asset, as in a uh,
0: like an uh, like a, like a, like a asset, like a development asset or like a piece of equipment asset? Uh,
1: well, you, either one. So, for example, we started in one case where we dealt with gas compressors. Okay. And there's lots of them on a pipeline, for example. Right. And so it's not a digital twin of the whole pipeline, but it's a digital twin of the gas compressors on the pipeline. And by managing those, you, you can do a lot. You can Sure, cuz there's correlations
0: between what happens in the compressor yeah, and what absolutely. happens on the energy, pipeline. Yeah,
1: absolutely. energy energy usage and right. you yeah. can accomplish a lot of objectives through that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, it could it could be a piece of equipment or it could be a plant. Right. Or it could be a larger facility. So to give you an example, onshore while the wells are pretty complex we haven't seen as much utility for um digital twins of individual wells okay mm. from a production standpoint okay where we have seen gains is of a digital twin of a gathering system right which includes a family of wells right uh, all the gathering lines that are taking product to a common point for natural gas or yeah, yeah. tank battery for oil and so that's the very next thing you need to think about is so what is my scope right And then what is the next step out for me? So you may want to start small. You may want to start with just a a given set of equipment. And then with your objective to be ultimately, I want to model a whole gathering system.
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think doing the right assessment for the customer, that is going to be very critical. Yeah. Yeah. As Tom mentioned, we don't have any just plug and play kind of solution here. I think uh, doing the right assessment and bringing in solution is important. And also, we'll try to leverage some of the customer technologies which are already available. Uh, and then we will evaluate that with our TCS yeah. IP also, and then see which one will suit them best. Yeah, yeah. So leveraging, so that's. So I was thinking about that, because,
0: Tom, you mentioned start by looking at all your sensor mm-hmm. uh, data. Uh, how likely is it that I'm going to look at all of that and realize that... Um, I need to do some upgrading of my of the of, of the sensor technologies like like is it is it mm-hmm. likely that I'm going to be able to use what I have to start oh, yeah. with or do I have to you know yeah. go back to all the sensor people and and uh, you know because the, they're all selling I want I want to be too, careful right? here because uh, yeah. Yeah.
1: OEMs are our customers too yeah, well, yeah, right, right and yeah, if yeah. if if you go to an OEM you uh, tend to come back and say you need to sensorize everything yeah, and yeah, and, yeah. and all that but our approach is you can learn a lot. The wells and facilities are trying to tell you how to run them better, and you can learn a lot from the data you already have. Yeah. One thing uh, a friend of mine with um, a super major likes to point out is they did a study of uh, data across the upstream part of their organization. Uh, they figured out that they were making practical use of about 17% of the data and 83% of it was what he called digital exhaust. You know, back yeah. in the 1960s, <laughs> yeah. 70%, 5% of the gasoline went out the tailpipe unburned. Right. And today, of course, it's you right. know, in the low, um, low sub-one digits. And so the first thing is, what can I do with the data I've got? And we've been able to find, if you start with um, a process of uh, improving the way you manage data we have have something we call data as a service mm-hmm. where we take up operating the value chain of data we discovered that particularly in onshore the movement of data from the wellhead to a command center ultimately to the financial system is as complex as the movement of the molecules to an LNG terminal yeah yeah i bet i bet and so we've gotten this data as a service where we operate the data pipeline if you will we treat failures is critical, data failures. We've turned analytics back on the uh, process of data quality itself. And in that process, we can go back and tell a customer, yeah, it would really benefit you to put a meter here and here's why. Mm-hmm. Or the other thing we've been able to do, particularly in areas where meters aren't very survivable, is we've been able to find out with analytics, we can create a virtual meter hmm, that right. will give us the same kind of information. So that... Data as a service picks the utility of it up. For one customer, uh, when we took it over, we measured data by nine different qualities. And uh, measured data quality was about 66%. And within three months, we drove it up in the high 90s. And it was primarily by taking seriously, gee, there's no data coming off this well. And and we wrote a series of things we call FiBots that all the data and look for data problems. One of them we called the weak battery bot. It could uh, analyze the data stream from a battery-operated uh, uh, sensor until when the battery was getting weak. And so what it would do is it would drop, yeah. drop okay. an email to the operator and say, next time you're on the on the uh, property, change the battery. Don't wait for the battery to die. So, alright, okay.
0: I'm intrigued. How, how does... How does the, the, the software, uh, like, like looking at the data, how does it know the batteries? Like, does the ink start to get lighter on the window? Well, I
1: won't go into the specifics, but, but you can develop, well, basically, so if a piece of equipment's about to fail, you develop what's called a failure signature. Right. And we discovered for many, many data problems, including including the common problem where a battery-operated uh sensor would fail and nobody would notice it for a while mm-hmm. um we discovered that that leaves a, a trail you know of, of, first of all in the way the data is coming from the sensor yeah uh, but also we can rem- we can uh tie into event data and link back to when we went changed the battery the last time yeah yeah so through triangulation we can come to some right. of these
2: problems. Yeah. It's like even when we go to any car battery channel, so they have some mechanism to figure out. But yeah. I, uh, well, actually, you're, you're hitting on a
0: Yep. A sore point for me so
2: <laughs>
0: because this, I, this is an area where I think we could use some of this expertise because okay so uh, so Tom and I I know at least are old enough to remember it used to be when the battery in your car was was beginning to get weak your car would be sluggish don't even when it would start, start. Oh, yeah. sure. and um, you could tell yeah. and now uh,
1: or, or in, and back in uh, the <laughs> Nissan 350Z I had uh-huh. the clock would start keeping bad time right, yes. yeah. <laughs> there were, right at, at a minimum you could and tell you, like and you get those little sounds signals back from the sensors. Right. And we discovered a lot of other things. Yeah. We discovered that the individual sensors had 10 days worth of data on them. So if we had an outage, we could recover it right. just like that. Right. Right. Anyway, that's yeah. the first step in 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 getting to uh, digital twin is improving the quality of your operational data. Yeah. And and just doing that in, in itself even before you get to the digital twin turns loose a whole flood of analytics and and work that that works well.
0: Well, data quality is the beast that rears its head every time we ever try to do anything in in this Uh industry, right? It always comes back to, well, there's the data quality.
1: Oh, sure. I mean, I I made a bet with my customer that we were operating the OSI Pi system for them and I said the wells are trying to tell you how to run them better, and he said no, the wells lie; <laughs> they don't ever tell the truth. And so I got a very, very capable guy, um, uh, uh, physicist uh, Dr. Ajay Nandakar, who hopefully someday you'll have the opportunity to meet, is uh, involved. And, and I said we got to we got to do this because I bet this guy that we could we could come up with some insights from sure. their data, and. Um, he came back about three weeks later and said, "No, he's right. The data, the, the wells lie. The wells lie." <laughs> and so we went went on this uh, uh, quest to find a way to improve it. You know, we, we looked at each other and said, "Everybody, everybody uh, complains about the weather. Mm. Let's improve the weather," and we did. And so it's a very important step to take in there. And again, at that point, I think you will, will find that. Yeah, maybe there's more sensors you need, but you're not even getting the information, getting the value, of the information you already collected.
0: Yeah, you already have. Th- this goes yeah. back to my car battery thing, which is, uh-huh. which is my my complaint is that now, however, because the computer knows or whatever that your battery is uh-huh. is uh, like now you don't get the warning anymore. Like all of a sudden one day your bat your car just doesn't start. That's yeah. it. There's no there's no slow starting or whatever. So just one day. You might be anywhere. You might be at the grocery store. You might be yep. anywhere. And this, at least this is how it's happening in, in my cars for the last 10 years. And all of a sudden, it doesn't start. And, and it seems like, if with like, like what Tom, with everything you just described, we, there should be, built into that system, there should be something that's able to tell me, you have one more start left. Right, like, oh, like, okay. like no. uh, <laughs> we don't have that. Yeah, well, <laughs> and, and and and
1: so with with digital twins and with the related work we do in, in asset management, that's the quest we're on for oil field equipment. You know, uh, we're we're trying to get to the point where we can analyze the performance data and tell you it's time to do something See something it. about it. Right. I'm sure this isn't true in most of your listeners' companies, but in companies that I worked in, <laughs> right. we were very reluctant to turn a well or, or a piece of equipment over to maintenance engineering. Because in our particular case, sometimes we didn't know when we were going to get it back. Right. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when they, we got it back, they'd broken things that we didn't think were broken to begin to with. start with, right. Yeah, so yeah. we wanted to be really careful about that. Yeah. And today, you know, we're in this quest to try to find the optimal time to maintain things, the optimal time to open a piece of equipment, and do things like that. Yeah. And so we're we're working that issue really hard.
0: And and it's not just, um, and you always have to remember it's not just one facility or one asset, right? It's if I'm if I'm the if, if I'm working for the company mm-hmm. and I'm in charge of figuring all that out, I, I have to. I don't have a dedicated maintenance team for every single asset and no, no. right and so you have to optimize the all no, of your
2: resources have, we'll the resources. No, we will have a command edit. center where we track yeah. all these things yeah, yeah, and I don't think we need a large team to do that. Some right. some, yeah.
1: some command centers have been doing well. Yeah. I, I was struck this last year by the number mm-hmm. of people that are that are tearing their command centers apart and sending those responsibilities back to the field.
0: Yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So good. So, so I guess what, what I'm getting from this is uh, it's not that hard to get started necessarily. No, like it, it,
1: it, it isn't. And um, the, the other good news is that uh, this isn't a problem that's solved or not solved. It's what I like to describe as a baseball or a cricket problem where if you improve your batting average just a little bit, yeah, you've right. done well. Yeah, there's a lot. The, the in, in, the, in the case of, you know, the classic stuck pipe problem, we'll probably never eliminate it. Right. But if we just up our betting average a little bit, the rewards are fantastic.
0: Well, well, sure, because there's so much, uh, you know, Or you think about in a refinery, if you, I mean, a, a, every minute of downtime in a refinery oh, yeah. has, has a staggering, yep. like, a lot of money, like a lot of money. Right. a lot of money. Not like not like I went on vacation and I left the lights on in my house. Kind of right. Like right? <laughs> like, <laughs> like it's 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 big money that they lose. Uh, so wow. yeah, if you can make even incremental improvements. All right, this is uh this is really good. In fact, I'm looking at looking at the time here. We what well, we we did it. We
2: filled up pretty much. the Yeah. The, the, uh, well, one the more thing, I think I would like to well, base on because yeah. oh, I was going to ask. because there one yes. more thing? So yeah. Health you, and safety option, right? Yeah, but yeah. if you look at it through this digital twin, your Almost making it zero accidents, actually. Ooh. For one of our customers, a large oil field services customer, after we implemented digital twin for one of their drill ships, accidents become zero.
0: So how explain how does that happen? Exactly? No,
2: because a lot of manual interventions are getting avoided through this digital twin. Even when you're sending people for a training there or even for predictive maintenance, if everything is done properly, without even that uh, happens... Then your actions also will become zero. One of the other, uh, things, yeah, one of the other
1: things we didn't talk about in terms yeah. of that—that's an attribute of the kind of visual twins, digital mm-hmm. twins we build—are yep. they are mm-hmm. immersively visual. Yep. So, okay. For example, um, when you're either in the uh, drilling command center on the ship, or you're a maintenance superintendent walking around with goggles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The places where there's a safety concern light up. You can see them. You ah, visually, you yeah. can see them. It's like a, a field in Star Trek or something. Yeah, you can, yeah. You can see where you shouldn't go. Interesting. And, and okay. so that that little thing right there is, oh, yeah, in the in the, in the the supers meeting this morning, we all said don't go there. That's but under the pressure of the moment, when you're trying to get it, and the pipe handling robot is... Acting like pipe handling robots act, right? And you want to get over there and get it back online. You forget what you were told that morning, but in your goggles it yeah. says this area is yellow. Yeah. So that's one
0: very simple thing. Tim, so you guys left out. Uh, you left out the cool part until the so you've people walking around with goggles uh, that are actually interacting yeah. with. The digital and, twin. And, and yeah, and
1: that's that's probably part of the future of digital qu- twins is to open two doors one door is greater collaboration within an enterprise and with your partners so seeing the same things people other people see and, and working with it but the other thing is we're still at the level of the machine learning where we're just replacing what people do yeah the real money is when we learn to collaborate with the machine learning partner when, when our non-human partner becomes a real partner yeah and the digital twin is that world where we'll do that right
0: the matrix is approaching. I can, I can it. see it's coming. Oh no, it's here. here. Yeah. <laughs> well, that—that's what I usually say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. It, yeah, because because the future, it, it does it does beg the question. Uh, now that we have this, you know, once we have this capability, not just in the places where we're talking about today, but in uh-huh. all the different areas where, and I mean, when I say they're popping up everywhere, I mean, even, um, uh, well, our friends over here at Data Gumbo are working with Kongsberg Digital Oh, well, on, on
1: everybody works with, the, 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 the best example of a digital twin is Google, Google Maps. Oh, yeah, sure. It's, it's, it's the best, uh, uh, Dr. Ajay talks about this all the time. Right, right. And it's, it's a perfect example. It's on to, online, it's immersively visual. It is real-time, you get right. traffic information, yep. right? And, and that's what we're looking for in operations. Yeah.
0: I'm, I, I'm, I'm mystified that they haven't added yet to, to the maps. When are they going to add like the weather radar? Because, you know, when you're on, oh, I, yeah. when you're on I-10 from, like, Indiana, no, from that Houston that to thing, San Antonio, yeah. <laughs> to know that that thunderstorm is right up there and it's uh, going to be raining. Yeah. Yeah, well, so so, so <laughs> I drive
1: a, a, a Mini Cooper, which is a German car, and, and my wife drives an Acura, which she, she's a beautiful Japanese woman, and she drives an Acura, which is a Japanese car. <laughs> and you can tell the difference in the two in the way they work. With mine, there's no yeah. integration of the weather at all. And it's like, if you ha- if, if you don't have better sense than to go out when it's hailing, you, right. you, get, what you, you get what you deserve. <laughs> right, yeah, and yeah. hers has got it integrated, so right. where you can see the weather moving, it's all like, oh, be careful. Yeah. Okay. I'm so sorry that this is bad here, but we don't want you to go there. Now. Yeah. So it's really different. But. Right,
0: right, where the German, would be, yeah. Right, yeah. Thought, you, know, you were stupid for going out in the first place. Um, yeah, no, but it is. It's, it's, it's popping up everywhere. Like I said, the guys that, over here from Data Gumbo are working with Kongsberg digital on yeah uh, on digital twins for contract automation right? yes so digital twins for, I mean which is not one of the places where in the beginning you would have thought about that but um, and, and our, uh, our friends
1: at Kongsberg are exceedingly capable
0: yeah they're yeah they're really good um, the folks at uh, at Valadier who just moved out of the Canada into their own space now um, you know they're doing digital twins on the so where the, where the pipeline comes into whatever the receiving facility is right uh-huh um, they're they're able using soft sensors. They're able to um, predict when is the next time you're going to not get what you're supposed to get in that pipeline. Mm-hmm, when right. the chemistry is going to be off, right? right? Off. And so all of these. It, so it does it does beg the question as as these capabilities are finding their way into all the different parts of the business. What, mm-hmm. what does the future look like? You know, what so, are some of the things that we're going to be able to do that we haven't imagined yeah, yet? Yeah,
1: the, the, the very first thing we're going to see is we're going to operate assets in an entirely different way than we do today. Yeah. And I, I don't know what that is, okay? Right. But, but we will go about our operations cycle in a very different way. When, when I first came into the business, we didn't get data on what our natural gas movements are for 90 days. <laughs> right. And when we got daily <laughs> movement of yeah. gas, yeah. we didn't know what to do. Okay. Right. And, and we're going to go through that same phase when digital twins become truly pervasive and immersive. The, the next stage beyond that is they will change the way the assets operate and are built. Yeah. And that's ultimately... We're already seeing situations with our uh, engineering and construction customers where when the bid goes out, it's not just for a natural gas processing plant. It's for a natural gas processing plant and the digital twin.
0: Yeah, sure. They really sure. don't
1: want one without the other anymore. Sure.
0: And, uh, well, and like the folks, uh, some of the folks, like at Technip FMC, they got... Uh, a complete ecosystem for mm-hmm. the frac pad that not only yeah. is it everything from the wellhead to the supply line, yeah. but it's the digital capabilities with the twin and everything built into it. Um, right. You know, uh, so yeah, so more and more of that. All right, this is really because good.
2: in today's world, if you look at it, earlier EPC companies once they used to deliver the platform, they're done with it. Yeah. But today they want to get into some annuity business also. Yeah, sure. that is how they are getting into this digital twin, right. so that the customers take. So you yeah. know for yeah. the maintenance also.
0: Yeah, well, that's a new business model. The whole, the whole as a service thing just that's of, right. It, uh. it, it also pops up everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. so that's good. All right. Um, any? Uh, I usually I usually wrap up with where do people go to learn more about either about what you guys are doing about this stuff in general, uh-huh. um, uh, which we can put some links and stuff in the show notes. But or if there's any events coming up or things like that, I should have told you that before so you could think of something.
2: <laughs> no, I think it's uh, very well available to public in www.tcs.com yeah. and if you go there we have a lot of industries what we serve what kind of solutions we have some customer testimonials and so on so yeah. okay, we great. can share those links with you Tom if you want to add anything more,
0: no I was think that would be it yeah that'd be good yeah. alright very good alright Prakash kas, 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 Kasava Kasava you got it <laughs> <laughs> sorry about that Tom Franklin that's an easy one appreciate you guys uh, making time and uh, that's it
1: okay
2: thank you thanks for your time thank right. you very much thank you
0: Check us out next week for another entertaining and yet useful episode of Oil & Gas Tech Podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.